and welcome to Gateway Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us. If you find our podcast is helping you spiritually, check us out online at gatewayvineyard.org. Enjoy the message. Good evening, everyone, again. (laughs) I love to make things weird. Is that me? Is that me? Is it my fault? Okay. So again, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I hope it doesn't echo and hurt you guys the whole time. Um, I don't have any announcements for you today. Woohoo, right? There's not a ton going on at the church right now, but I do have one for you next weekend. So um, I hope that you will be back to hear that. If you are new with us and you've never filled out a Connect card, though, um, it would be great if you did, because then you would be kept in the loop with all the things that are going on here at the church. Any changes that we make, you would get to kind of know, be in the know of what we're doing and what we're up to. And if you're listening to us online, I know some of you do listen, like during the week, we have a Connect card on our website. It's gatewayvineyard.org slash connect, I believe. So fill that out. We'll put you on an email list. You get to know when things come up. If you can't make it to church, we'll tell you what the announcements are, that kind of thing. Uh, last thing I'll touch on, again, you know, we do not give, um, you know, we don't pass a plate here at the church, but we do have a box in the back. We have text to give. We have online giving. We have send a check. We have bring a check. We have everything, right? So thank you guys for giving and uh, supporting the ministry I know there's not a ton of us, but God's been great. It's been faithful, and we're, uh, I just wanted to say thank you for that. So I'm going to pray for the offering, and then we will jump into our message this evening. So God, thank you for just the opportunity to give back a portion of what is yours. Your word says that you love a joyful giver, and we just want to give back just a portion of what is already yours, God. Pray that you may bless these funds. Pray that they may be used for your ministry and for your good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been in the series on the book of Jonah. Um, And as I was thinking about this series and kind of planning on what we're going to talk about next, I thought of this story. So, you know, Jonah didn't want to go where God was sending him to go, right? So he decided to flee. And I, the, the closest story that I could think of was, this. some of you may not know this, so I went to boarding school for a year and a half, almost two years. This was my ninth grade and half of 10th grade year. So if anyone, anyone been to boarding school in here? No? Just me? Okay. So if you've never been, I'm going to tell you about it. It was not great. So... Backstory to that, uh, we moved from Zimbabwe to the States in 2000, then we moved back in 2004. So when, I, when we moved back, I was, I think, end of eighth grade, and I was about to jump into the ninth grade. So just typically, African parents will send you to boarding school when you get to high school. I don't make the rules. They do, I guess. So they sent me to boarding school. It was in a city that I didn't understand the language, and I was maybe three and a half, four hours away from home. Um, 
and it was the worst experience of my life. So we'll give you kind of a, a picture. I'm going to try to paint this picture of what it was like. So the best thing that I can compare it to is military school here in the States. How kids are kind of sent to military school for being bad. You were sent to boarding school for being good. <laughs> so there's four grades, right? There's essentially ninth through 12th for, for simplicity's sake. And I was in the ninth grade when we moved there. And everything is seniority based. So if you're ninth grade, the 10th graders are essentially in charge of you, 10th grade, 11th graders, that kind of thing. And we lived in this U-shaped building. So we lived on a campus, right? The school was there. The, the housing unit was also there. And the building was like a big U-shaped. And it was a ward going that way, a ward going that way, and a ward going that way. So my whole grade, it was maybe 35 or 40 of us kids, and we had... One bed here, one bed here, and they were butted together. Another cluster, 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 all around the room. And that's how we lived. At 7 a.m. every morning, somebody would go and ring the bell, and the bell was to tell you to get up. So everybody got up, they rushed downstairs, brushed their teeth, they got ready for school. We had to wear these uniforms. I wish I had a picture. We had to wear these uniforms, uh, a shirt and tie and a blazer, the whole nine. At 7.45, another bell would ring, and then we had to go downstairs, and it was prayer time. So really, it was redundant. Every morning, you would line up, and then somebody would say, we're doing the Lord's Prayer, or we're doing the Serenity Prayer. So whatever a cup of tea is for the day, that's what we did. After that, we would be done with prayer. We would walk outside, and single file, the oldest kids to the youngest kids wait to go into the dining hall. So if you've watched any Harry Potter movies, the dining hall is exactly what you think or exactly what it looks like in there. All the kids are just kind of lined up sitting there and eating, and then there's, you know, all the teachers are sitting on that side, and everyone's eating at the same time. That's essentially what boarding school was like for me. Now, I was this kid who just moved from America, who was used to all these luxuries, right? Taco Bell at 2 a.m., that kind of thing. And now I'm stuck in a place where you don't have any luxuries. If you want to leave the campus, there was a sign-out book and you had to say, okay, I'm signing out, and they'll give you a two-hour block. You had to leave and come back in the same two-hour block. It was the worst. I tell you this because had I known what boarding school was going to be like, I probably would have fought really hard not to go there. I would have fought so hard to to make my parents send me somewhere local, like one of the nicer private schools or something like that. But they decided to send me there because it was going to teach me something. It was going to teach me to be independent. It was going to teach me how to do my laundry, manage my money, things like that that the typical ninth grader 
does not know how to do because they still live at home. Looking back at it, I'm like, man, that was one of the most helpful things that ever happened to me. But while I was going through it, it was not at all that. So I started to think about Jonah a little bit. So Jonah's commanded by God. God tells him to go to Nineveh and preach and tell these people the word that I have given you. That was in the first 16 chapters of chapter 1. But Jonah decides to go the opposite direction. So gets to the point where they are in the middle of the storm, and the guys on the ship, they're like, okay, let's throw all our stuff off so that maybe we can weather the storm. It's not happening. So they figure out Jonah's the guy. Let's kick him out. So they threw him overboard, and that's where we ended the last time. So today, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be, we're going to read the last verse of chapter 1, and then we're going to jump into chapter 2 as well, and we'll continue reading the story on. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jump into chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So let's stop there. It's actually the end of the chapter. Jonah is a nice little book to read. Short little chapter, short and sweet. So God sent a big fish, right? The ancient equivalent to an Uber today to get Jonah back on the right track. And he didn't want to go, but he said, no, no, you're going to go. I'm going to send this fish. So he sends the fish, this great fish, as the Bible says. Jonah tried to go far, far away, somewhere where he thought, He would be able to run away from God. If you guys have seen The Dark Knight, the Batman movie, there's a scene where there's this like uh, criminal who's trying to hide. He went to China to flee there, trying to hide, and they had to send Batman to go and get him because it was outside of the jurisdiction of the police officers, you know, so they're like, hey, let's just send Batman to go get him. 
and bring him back here where we can, you know, prosecute him. And Jonah was thinking the same thing. If I can get as far away from God as possible, he's not going to be able to reach me. But here's what we learned from what God did. There's no place and no one that is outside of God's jurisdiction and his reach. And we can run to the far reaches of the earth, and still he is just as near as ever. If we look at Psalms 139, verse 7 to 10, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. See, God was ultimately going to rescue Jonah physically, but first he graciously gives him time and space to consider his actions in his heart over a period of three days and three nights from inside the belly of the fish. Now think about that for a second. Have you been in a situation where you're like, God, just please get me out of this. Please get me out of this, but... He lets it go on just a little bit longer, hoping that you're going to learn something, trying to teach you something. I know he's done that with me several times. It's definitely not fun. See, even though God is powerful, he's also patient. He often puts us in places where we can stop and prayerfully contemplate our actions in order to trust and obey him. I often compare it to like when kids are sent to timeout, right? So what's the purpose of timeout? It's for them to hopefully contemplate the actions that they had. They can think about, oh, well, I shouldn't have done that. I don't like being in timeout, so I'm probably not going to do that again. At least that's the hope, right? We can look at it like Jonah was in timeout when he was in that fish for three days. In Jonah's prayer, he recounts the nearness of his impending death at the bottom of the sea near the roots of the mountain. He felt like he had hit rock bottom, and he was starting to rethink his decision to dishonor God's command. Even there, God is fully aware He's attentive and able to save him at his lowest point. See, God isn't dissuaded by our messes. He's present with us in those messes. He's also there with us, next to us, walking beside us, and he never leaves nor forsakes us. Now, after Jonah spent some time in time out, Right in the fish, as we discussed, he, he was prayerfully considering what had happened. Verse 9 tells us that Jonah comes to see that salvation comes from the Lord. As soon as he said that, in verse 10 it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited 
Jonah onto dry land. Here's the cool thing about that. We talk about how God will let us go through things so that we can learn something and then we can... As soon as we learn something from that, he can take us out of it. Not always, right? But he usually leaves us there so we can learn something. I should mention, though, that from my opening story, it wasn't till I had things figured out and that I was comfortable that God got me out of that situation. I, I just did not want to be in boarding school. Like, I was so uncomfortable. But it wasn't until I learned what I needed to learn that God was like, okay, your time here is done. Boy, was I grateful. So now Jonah's been spit out of the fish. He's on dry land. So let's see what happens. Um, We're going to jump into chapter 3 as well. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took him three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. The fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the kings of Nineveh, the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth and let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So here's some takeaways from chapter 3. God speaks to Jonah a second time, commanding him to go to Nineveh and proclaim God's word, as we saw in verse 2. So this second chance is evidence of God's persistent calling and his patient love. So God put Jonah back on track and says, okay, now let's do the thing that I asked from you the first time. Let's go preach the word that I have for you. God's desire to save Nineveh and to use Jonah as his messenger had not changed. He still wanted to use him. Here's the cool thing. Human's disobedience does not change God. Human's disobedience does not change God. His relentless love and calling changes us. We are changed by his love. So Jonah gets to the city, and he starts preaching the message. And to his surprise, the message was being taken well. 
You remember why he didn't want to go in the first place? He thought that they were doomed. He thought there was no way that they were going to be saved. He, thinks, he thought that their minds weren't ever going to be changed. But verse 5 tells us that the Ninevites, they believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, from the king all the way down to the nobles, they put on the sackcloth. The Ninevites believed God, and this wasn't just a casual belief. There was a real change in their behavior. There was fasting. There was mourning. There was a real change. This is a biblical example of repentance, which the people, they showed remorse. They showed regret, which led to a life change. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, true repentance will be shown by life change, not just a confession of guilt without the regard of future actions. Worship team can come back up. In conclusion, because Jonah listened to the command of the Lord, even though it wasn't the first time that he was asked, the Ninevites changed their ways. They changed their ways because he chose to obey, even though it was the second time. So here's what we learned today. God calls whomever he wants to fulfill his will. We also learn that it is not in our best interest to say no when God calls, because there's nowhere that we can run from him that he cannot reach us. We also learn in chapter 3, as I mentioned, that because of Jonah's obedience, the Ninevites repented, and there was change, real change in their behavior. Verse 10 says that when God saw what they did, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So God might be calling each one of you to do something. And my encouragement to you today is to tell you not to fear but to just do it 
to follow his call because just because you're going to be uncomfortable for a season, that's not a reason to say no. It's not a reason to say no simply because you never know what God is doing in the background. Of course, God may not be calling us to go to another country and, and proclaim his words before he destroys it, but he may be calling us to reach out to that family member, to reach out to that friend, that coworker, that person that you run into in the hallway all the time. Because if we obey the call, if we obey what God is asking of us, it can be like the Ninevites. Somebody could repent and be saved because you followed the call. I'm sure for many of us, God has been showing us someone or person to speak life into. Someone who could really use it. But we keep on boarding a ship to Tarshish. We keep running away from it. We keep saying, but God, you don't understand. There's no way they can be saved. You have no idea what they do. I've seen them on Friday night. I see what they post online. There's no way that they can be saved. But when God asks you, when God calls you, Say yes to the call. Because that person who may have never gone to church before, that person who had a completely different lifestyle, that person who you thought was so far gone, God may be stirring it inside you because he's already been stirring it inside them. And he's using you to get to them because you might be what they've been waiting for. Why don't we go ahead and stand and I'll pray to close and we'll jump back into some worship. So Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the series that we're in and the way you're challenging us, God, to learn from Jonah's story And to recognize that if you're calling us, God, we should just say yes. No matter how painful it is, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, to know that your plan is greater than our plan. That you see further than we see. Pray, God, that we may have the courage to say yes. The first time. 
pray that once we say yes, God, that we have the courage to execute what it is that you're calling of us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on our podcast. If you find this message helped you spiritually, check us out online at gatewayvineyard.org. We'll see you next time.